It's anime time! It's anime time, one last time. <laughs> yeah, no, we're out of movies. Like, we're, this isn't the last episode, we're going to watch that documentary, but we're out of movies. We're out of anime, at, le- yeah. at the very least. Unless documentary is anime. We'll be back know. to watch, uh, what's the name of that fucking movie he's working on? How Do You Live? How Do You Live, yeah, we'll be back in like three years, talk about that, assuming we're both still alive. <laughs> Who could say? Anything's Who possible. Who could fucking say that's so far away? <laughs> Um, I was trying to think, like, do we do any preamble, but no, no, one of us just needs to summarize this, which means I should probably pull up the Wikipedia page, but honestly, I could summarize Well, let me do that. Okay, that. so Irrigan the Witch, also known as uh, Aya Tomajo, is a movie uh, directed by Goro Miyazaki, written by Keiko Niwa and Emi Gunji, based on the book Irrigan the Witch by Dana Wynne Jones. It came out on NHK television in December of last year. It is going to be in Japanese theaters when they open up at some point this summer. Um, oh, it says April 29th here, so soon. Um, and they're going to add scenes that weren't in the TV version, which, fair enough. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is the last Ghibli movie that exists right now, um, notable for being a CG production. Um, We'll talk about that after we talk about what, what the movie's about. Do you want to summarize it? Uh, yeah, it's very easy because it's an 82-minute movie and nothing happens. Um, Earwig is a little girl who is dropped off by her cool red-headed motorcycle-riding uh, witch mom at an orphanage. Um, her mom leaves some note about... The 12 witches are chasing me, uh, and I won't be able to come back for her for several years. And the orphanage takes her in. Time passes, and uh, she goes by Erica a lot of the time. Uh, She kind of runs the orphanage. Like, she goes into the kitchen and is like, you should make shepherd's pie today. And, like, the cook is like, I'm definitely not making shepherd's pie, but he is. Um... And everybody just kind of does what she wants, and she lives this perfect, idyllic life, until two weird-looking people, one of whom uh, is very tall, (laughs) um, show up and adopt her, despite her best efforts to not get adopted. Um, And she 
goes to their home and the woman uh in the couple reveals that she is a witch and adopted a child because she needs an extra pair of hands around the house to help her do all her witch work which mostly involves like it's almost like a catering business um which i think is like a really neat little aspect of the movie but um Earwig wants to learn how to do magic herself, and the witch is kind of, like, not forthcoming and is like, no, just do more work, I don't really care. Um, so, Earwig starts working behind her back to, like, cause problems for the witch, uh, like, casts a spell that, um, makes her... Casts a spell that gives, that gives the witch an extra pair of hands that's all gross and weird, and the... Which, like, tries to retaliate, but they ended up just pissing off the real big guy, who is also a dragon, uh, sometimes, and, um, somewhere along the way they discover that, uh, she discovers that these two were in a band with, uh, somebody who's clearly her mom, but Earwig obviously doesn't know that's her mom, uh, and through the power of music i think the dragon guy gets over being mad at this kid and like they all start living a happy family life that's about it the end <laughs> yeah that's fair I, yeah <laughs> it is the lightest it is maybe like the most plot light movie we have watched for this entire um for this entire project it's also incredible because um it ends so abruptly <laughs> yes um yeah uh but by and large i liked this movie what did you think of it um i mostly liked it so i this movie has become infamous in my youtube recommendations for getting a bunch of essays about how there's like well it's like how earwig brought shame to ghibli uh just people losing their minds because it's a cg movie and everyone has internalized all the ghibli fans of course have internalized that cg is bad and hand animation is good um Mm -hmm. and this movie is like clearly like a cheaper movie right like it was made for television it was made during covid it you know um but no one at Ghibli knows how to do this. <laughs> like, literally, the story yeah. is that uh, Goro wanted to do it. All the old men were like, yeah, go right ahead, kid. Knock yourself out. And then he went and did it all while they were hands off. Um, and he used his experience uh, directing, what's the name of that show? Uh, Ronya the Cobbler, the Robber's Daughter, which is a 26-episode uh, CG anime that came out in 2014 that he directed. Uh, there was, like, Polygon Pictures and Ghibli's, like, co-production thing. Um so he's the only person who knew how to do this, but this is the pipeline, right? Like, when Miyazaki dies, there's going to be no one there who is, like, a name to produce seven-year production cycle hand-animated films. They either need to make more movies or they're going to go away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I suspect it will be that they will go away, yeah. which will be weird, but, uh, yeah. But I understand Goro being like, I'd rather not, like, have one of, the, like, the most famous animation houses on the planet go under because one old man who sucks dies. Uh, maybe we can figure out a new way to make movies. And, you know, they made this movie. And it's like a, like a you know, clearly like a cheaper experimental thing. The thing is, most of this movie, I think, looks pretty decent. Is it, is it like, not yeah. rich in the way that, like, Pixar movies are rich? Yes. But the Ghibli style is not rich in the way that, like, classic Disney is rich. 
uh the like the like house ghibli style that we've been talking about like from up on poppy hill which is like very like flat shaded like they make the characters that are in all these movies and they just put them in a new setting and dress it up however they they need to for the course of the story i think that translates relatively well to 3d Every once in yeah, a while, I think so too. every once in a while, this is like an extremely budgety movie and it, the, the CG looks bad. Like that cat looks bad that entire movie. I don't understand how that's possible. The cat just looks <laughs> bad. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think, I think Earwig looks good. And I think a lot of the interactions with like the characters look good. And uh, I like Mandrake's like ridiculous, like a fan of the opera, like make rock music how- room. <laughs> yeah, uh, that shit rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. I sometimes thought the hair looked kind of bad yeah. in this movie, but like other than that, I thought like when she's when she's pushing the goop up off the floor, it is just like a single like like one <laughs> physics goop object in the entire movie. Yeah. But it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. I don't think the movie. I don't think every movie needs to be Toy Story four to be like a good movie. Yeah, no, like I just. Because I also knew that this movie was really poorly received, and I was like going in like. I was going in like expecting to not really like this and to like, but like, I don't know. I was I was kind of taken with it. It's just a very nice, very light. Um, one of these movies that they've made a dozen times. It's just that like, it look it doesn't look quite as good as the other stuff. But like, I'm fine with that. Like, it's fun to see them do something new. It's fun to see them like try to adapt it. And it's fun when like it's a low stakes thing. Like they haven't had, they had um. Ocean Waves and um, The Cat Returns, and those are, like, the only two, like, kind of, like, lower-budget Ghibli movies we've seen, and I think they do well with, like, a low-budget, low like, let's just try something new because uh, we kind of make the same movie over and over again. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, and, like, the story, the story is really light and, like, not there's not much there but like it's cute like i had a good time so like what more do you fucking want (laughs) this this movie was like announced in june it came out in december like i assume this was a quick turnaround um Mm -hmm. and um it's weird because like yeah it's 82 minutes and it it feels really sparse it feels kind of like a pilot (laughs) um yeah like the way in which it segues from ah the reveal is that they were all in this band together, but nothing about like oh that that's actually her mom is revealed, and it just like time skips into like a different status quo where she's now got the run of the house as like the kid who is uh you know has is secretly the best witch, so she's just able to bend all these uh, adults to her will. Um, just feels like the setup for like a, a like if this was like a Nickelodeon show, I would not bat an eye. Yeah, I. I almost wonder if this was pitched as a, like, kids' TV show, and, like, they just, uh, it feels like they had, like, an idea for six episodes, and then we're like, well, we'll just make the first two or three, and, like, just put that out. Yeah, it reminds me of how, like, Clone Wars, like, the CG one, like, had a movie that was in theaters that was just the first three episodes. Terrible way to, like, experience the opening of Clone Wars. It's really bad. Um, um, yeah, like I just, I've got, I've got nothing about this movie like whatsoever. But I had a really pleasant time with it. Um, like literally, my only complaint is that like 
it both it, it felt like it dragged a little bit because it felt like it does feel very much like a, a movie for children you know and like um just like there's not much substance to it um and then yeah it just ends so abruptly it's really funny that her mom shows up at the end of the movie but then there's no scene of like and this is your mother earwing <laughs> like literally no one tells her we could assume that she knows that but like no one tells her in the film i assume that's what i assume if they add more scenes to this movie it will be a little bit of epilogue or connective tissue at the very end um because yeah it feels very much like oh the like the network gave us an 88 minute time limit and we were just like okay well we'll just cut it right here <laughs> um did you because i accidentally ended up watching the dub of this did you watch the subs or yeah i watched the subs of this i downloaded it and i had the dub and uh how was like, that <laughs> was it was fine. Um, the the funniest part was seeing Casey Musgraves' name in the credits and being like, "Oh, I hope they have Casey Musgraves sing a song." And yeah, she definitely sings a song in this movie. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, but other than that, um, it was like totally fine. It was a lot. You know, uh, we've come a long way from the like ultra high budget uh, Disney dubs that are very weird. But I felt like everybody had like an appropriate voice that nothing was really ever that grating. Yeah, um, that's fair. Um, yeah, the the dub uh, or the subs are generally good. It's the Ghibli tradition of getting TV actors I've never heard of, basically, most of the time. Um, <laughs> uh, and but specifically, the girl who plays Earwig is just like. Unlike every other anime in the world, she sounds she sounds like older than Irig comes across to me in the movie. Like you think of like ten year old mm. like kids in anime, you think of like a very like young character, but she just is like bossy and like loud in a way that I find really compelling. And I, I the the movie being about a girl who kind of has everything she wants is mildly inconvenienced and then just gets everything she wants again is just good to me. Like I, it just has like that like storybook quality, like like watching like Matilda or something like. Yeah, that is definitely, like, um, Irig was a, an immediately endearing character because she is just so clearly, like, a huge brat and doesn't care. Like, like she doesn't have an arc in this movie. It's not the—a lot of movies um, would have this being about her realizing, hey, I'm being kind of a shitty kid. I should stop that. No, she just, <laughs> like, learns to get everything that she wants from these people, and I love that for her. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, yeah, I, it, it's weird. Oh, go ahead. I was going to talk about something totally unrelated, so if you have another thought coming, going from there, go for it. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to kind of repeat what you said, agreeing with you. So, uh, What the fuck is fried bread, by the way? Fried bread uh, is so the kind they have is like a very fancy Boy Scouts would not have fried bread like this. Um, but fried bread is just like a classic, like I think of it as like I uh, like fried bread is like a Native American thing. Okay. Um, where you it's just like in that in that version is literally like you you dough 
it, you basically like put bread in a pan and fry it. Um, they, they get it from Boy Scouts, and it looks like the most beautiful brioche, <laughs> like that has been yeah. lovingly. I'm like, I don't think the Boy Scouts are going to be able to do that. And I've seen versions that are as like not fancy as white bread that you know you just fry it up. Uh, it's like, what if the, it was a, like a savory French toast with like no sugar egg or whatever? Okay, see, because when the when it's in the movie, I was like, is that just some word for French, like some way of saying French toast that I'd never heard in my life before? Because it just looks like French toast to me. No, this but. is this is a, a more traditional version, kind of like it is just okay. dough that has been fried. So it ends up being like a almost like like somewhere between like a like a bread and like a donut, almost, but like no sugar involved. Okay, but you would you would probably what? add something to the top of it, like a like a preserves or something i i guess i want to ask what you think because i felt like there was a lot of like i love when um anime does like loving shots of food and it just doesn't hit the same in 3d for me um it's weird but i was wondering what you I, I think it goes back and forth. I think the fried bread looks really good. Um, I think the like shepherd's pie looks pretty bad, <laughs> which is a shame because yeah. I fucking love shepherd's pie. I'd I'd eat shepherd's pie right now if you gave me some. Um, the like bacon eggs cooking scene doesn't look like exceptional, but I do think the bread fry looked good in like a in the way that like the Final Fantasy fifteen food looks good. <laughs> but it just hits different when it doesn't have that abstraction layer of being like. The illustrative style of Ghibli, like being kind of impressionistic, gives you the the sense of food without being like food. Because the thing about food, if you ever like, you 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 post pictures of food on Twitter when you're cooking, and you mm. know people who ever tried to post a picture of their lunch on Instagram, photographing food, and not making it look gross or boring, is the hardest thing on earth. <laughs> yeah, no, I've kind of given up because it's fucking impossible. Yeah. <laughs> This is why I post a lot of process pictures. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Not, and, like, don't spend that much time on the end result, because I think the end result always looks ugly in photos, even if I think I did a really good job with it. Yes. Instead, it's just um, it's just six fleets of you hovering over soup. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, follow Autumn on at autumnal underscore coffee. <laughs> um... I'm looking at Final Fantasy 15 food, and I guess I guess I really like the Monster Hunter food and the uh, Breath of the Wild food uh, too. So I guess like there is good 3D anime anime food. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's just, not, it's just it's, harder, right? Like even yeah. the Breath of the Wild stuff, like the Breath of the Wild stuff is like a little abstracted. The Monster Hunter stuff is cartoonish and how big and ridiculous it is. Yeah, we look at the Final Fantasy stuff, and it like some of it is like, oh, that man, I love ramen. That looks like good ramen. But you, I look at this like. Ah, uh, here's like this uh, kontatsu, and I'm like, this. I've had better con- looking kontatsu than this. <laughs> <laughs> Ignis cooked up decent food, but it's not like the end of the world delicious looking. Um, and I just think that's because, like, when you go for realism, it's hard to make food that like looks delightful because food photography is like a process of like wizardry and fake food, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like. I don't know, a big part of my job is, like, looking at pictures of Frappuccinos and, like, being like, damn, it just doesn't look as good as that yeah. shit, because, you're like, not on a You're not on a photo studio faking it and then color correcting it after you faked it, right? Right, right. But then, like, I can get, we get notes from the district manager, like, hey, you need to make this all look more Instagram ready. Like, you need to have, like, the drizzle go on in this certain way. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> It's just hard, right? It's just hard. 
Also, look, <laughs> the people who are getting the Instagram ready food are not going to uh, a popular coffee shop chain. <laughs> <laughs> Some people fucking love posting their uh, frappuccinos on Instagram and, and their macchiatos, and I don't try for any of them, but I'm supposed to. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's uh, just it's just one of those weird things. Yeah. Um, yeah, now it, it is strange because I definitely feel that way. And like all the magical stuff, I'm like, man, it's weird. Like, I think the colors in this movie are really good. I think they make a lot of yeah, really bright sure. choices, but like the animation just isn't there. Like the, when they like stir up the spells and it, it does a bunch of particle effects, it's like, yeah, you had like your particle effects suite. It's nice that it's in bright colors because most movies don't make that choice anymore, but it doesn't look great. Right. It's just the reality of it. But I don't, I just don't think that matters that much. I think like the movie's mostly really charming and I think that carries a lot of it. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and like, I really like the concept of like this witch who's like running a small business out of her house. Mm -hmm. Um, and even when like visually that doesn't come across as like, as well as I would hope for it, like. I still think it's like a neat enough concept that it just kind of carries me through. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like the Kiki's delivery service, but it's been 30 years and she's over it. It's like, yeah, I got to send another thing to this person for the goddamn ballet recital or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just good. And the, the house being like the, her workspace being just a fucking pigsty is deeply relatable to me as someone who's very like clutter uh, generating. Um, it's good. I don't know. I, I think that stuff's nice. I think that like the the weirdness of this ha this magical house that is different sizes and stuff still works even in the short version. And even though it doesn't have a lot of plot, and I wish there was like more, I'd watch the six episode version of this or whatever. Whenever like yeah. she hangs out with Mandrake, I'm like that guy's cool. He's got he's got his big like yakuza slouch as he like walks through walls into built into rooms and glowers at people. Love him. It's so funny <laughs> that, like, I also wouldn't want to animate that guy having to hunch over, like, to get through doors, and so I also would just be like, he walks through doors, whatever, yeah. I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the puppets that Goro built, or had built for, like, the pr uh, promos for this movie? No. So apparently he's really into puppets, and this was only just for, like, the promotional tour, it was never going to be this movie, but uh, imagine what could have been. Look at this. <laughs> Um. Oh my God, Ghibli should do a puppets movie. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> It'd be it's because watching the movie, I'm like the thing this reminds me of most is like, like James and the Giant Peach or like Nightmare Before Christmas, like that '90s style of like stop motion animation. Like I mm -hmm. just feel like that's what their CG look ends up looking like. It's very like puppetry focused. Yeah. No. Especially. Um. That makes a lot of sense to me. The, the The thing that I was actually thinking, though, is that, like, the thing that really grabbed me is all the stuff they do with um, Earwig's, like, facial expressions, which I don't... I don't know that you could do in puppetry, but you could definitely do in stop motion like that, for sure. But I, they did a lot of really good work with, um, like, her face just turns all sorts of different, like, shapes in this movie in a yes. good way. Yeah, she's a fun, expressive character. Uh, I like they were introduced to her entirely through her, like, hair when they're all being ghosts and she just got the double horns because of her hair. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I love the way her hat sits on top of her, like, horn hair. <laughs> um...
I think that's all I've got. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a little No Thoughts Head Empty, but I, I, I honestly, after the last, like, couple Miyazaki movies, I, I enjoy that. Like, I just, I, yeah. it was nice just watch a movie, not have any huge objections about its, like, thematic content, um, enjoy a little girl bossing these adults around and getting what she wants and living in her, like, now ex- expansive bedroom ordering the servants around. It's good. It's good. It's like, yeah. it's the same reason I like, like, Sabrina the Teenage Wish, right? Like, it's just a character. I'm not talking about the Netflix show. It's a whole different thing. But, like, the comics are just, like, it's cool to have a kid just be good at magic and get what she wants. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, good for her, honestly. May we all live our best lives in this way. Yeah. questions let me open up gmail if you'd like to send an email you can send them to abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com you notice that's a different one please make note if you have it in your bookmarks or whatever your uh, address book because uh our hover redirect has been shitting the bed lately so we're just gonna do it this way yeah. um let's see uh our first email is from adam uh this movie reminded me of those direct video disney movies that served as the pilots for disney channel cartoons would you watch a tv series part of this movie absolutely yeah 100 percent. whether it was like 20 episodes or six episodes i would absolutely just like watch more of this for sure yep um would this movie have been better received if it looked the way it does now but it come out 10 to 15 years ago i think mm, it's weird because like I think that at that point, people would have compared it more to, like, DreamWorks stuff, which was in its, like, high heyday at that point, I feel like. Yeah, and I think there would be a lot of hand-wringing about... Like, I think all the hand-wringing about, like, CG being not as good as, like, hand-drawn animation would still be there, you know? Like, I think the people who feel that way about... um, Ghibli in 2021 probably still felt that way about Ghibli in 2008, yep. you know? Uh, do you prefer CG anime that go for a 3D Pixar look like Earwig or the most recent Lupin movie, or CG anime that mimics 2D style like Land of the Lustrous and Beastars? I've not seen Lupin the first or Beastars, uh, I will admit, but I do, I do want to watch that Lupin movie pretty badly. I definitely, um, I mean, my brain immediately goes to, um, all the cool stuff that Arxis has been doing in their fighting games, Mm. um, and that's definitely, that's definitely, like, my preference, like, my preference for any movie is, like, 2D animation, but, like, I, I don't have any, like, I don't have any sort of, like, moral high ground about that in the way that some fans do, I, it's just, like, my vague preference and so yeah i do really like when 3d animated movies like try to ape that style but um you know like i think toy story was the first movie i ever saw in a theater so like i have oh (laughs) you're so young Um, and then, uh, the last question here, if you were able to make a new dub for any Ghibli film, what would it be? Who would you cast? What would you change? I would redub only yesterday with the same cast, but let Daisy Ridley do her lines in her British accent instead of the unconvincing American accent she has in the dub. Um, 
My mind immediately went to Porco Rosso. I don't know if I stand by that, but like, um, there's like some changes that the dub makes that like I just would I would rather that it stuck closer to the original Japanese. Yeah. Um, uh, my answer is uh, Castle and Sky for the same reason. I think they need to pull out all of those like name actors and just replace them with actual voice actors that are not hamming it up. Uh, Anna Paquin and Mark Hamill specifically are very bad in that movie. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what the actual answer is for me? It's Kiki's. It's got you got to just like throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Like the Porco Rosa one, I can tolerate. The Kiki's dub is just unforgivable <laughs> uh, that's fair i mean the kiki's dub does change the actual ending of the movie so yeah <laughs> i do i do feel like that's a that's a fair answer to be the one um yeah <laughs> uh we have some questions from tom let's see if we have covered all these uh ba, 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 ba. what's your favorite looking scene or shot in this movie um Anytime that they zoom out and you see that the house has the horns just like uh, she does mm -hmm. is great. <laughs> just anytime that happens. Uh, I like the recurring shots of her getting swallowed up by the garden as she marches in to like cut down whatever ingredient she needs. I think that's. Oh, good. yeah, that shit's good. <laughs> um, what kind of magic do you think you'd use the most if you could use magic? Um... I mean, like, like I say, I was really into like the stuff that um, Bella Yaga is doing in this movie. Like any sort of like potion making, I think is my jam. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. How about you? Um, I would probably. I mean, potion making is good. I would. I probably. I probably fly. I would probably fly everywhere. That's fair. Conjuring that's fair. food. That's a good one too. <laughs> I hate cooking. I'd rather just conjure food. <laughs> I like the process way more than the end result in general, I think. Mm -hmm. Um when my mom when I was growing up, my mom would like make a whole meal and then would eat like two bites cuz she's like, "No, I I'm so tired after cooking. I don't want to have to look at the food anymore." <laughs> yep. Um, and then the last question is, uh, do you think the intended read of this movie is that Bella and Mandrake are not actually that like abusive to, uh, Earwig? And that I, I feel like my answer to that is that like, it exists in the framework of kids stories where like adults are always really shitty to kids. Like, I think like they are not series of unfortunate events, eventsing this kid, right? Like she is not putting that peril. They are not that mean to her. Um, it's not even like a Dursley situation. I just think of like nineties books where like the adults are always a little weird and magical and dangerous. Um, and I think that's more true than like she is horribly mistreated. Like they make her work, but fiction's full of kids who have to work, uh, because a lot of it was written in your times when, or pulling from fairy tales where kids worked, right? Like, yeah, it's weird. Like, I was watching it and like, was kind of grating against some of this stuff. Like, the scene where um, Bella hits Earwig is, like, upsetting for me because it's, like, I I bring my own stuff to it where, like, that's not okay, but also, like, that is not my lasting feeling about the movie because, like, the movie just operates in this, like, sort of, this sort of, like, magic, kind of like you say, like, this sort of, like, magic-ish thing where, like, no, that's just, like okay and like in the world of the movie like i don't think that's what's happening even if like 
I take myself out of the world of the movie. I'm like, that's really upsetting, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of movies are things that I like don't mind seeing in fiction, but if it was a real world situation would be a problem. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. The thing, the thing that actually uh, maybe graded on me a little bit more, like the thing, the thing that kind of bothered me was not, necessarily her hitting earwig it's that like she hits earwig and then we suddenly like pivot into their relationship starting to get better and it's like okay well what the fuck are you trying to say here movie yeah no it's definitely like messy and the resolution is like skipped over right like it's like uh yeah mandrake like you know intimidated her into making good and now everyone gets along together but like none of that's like addressed and there's no like these two, like, they're friends at the end of that movie in a way that is not, like, it It doesn't necessarily make sense of how that is. Yeah, like, you could present all the same events of this movie and have it be a story about, like, three people who fucking hate each other, but, like, just in, like, kind of the, in the universe of the movie, like, this is just the framework that they're doing, and you kind of just, like, I kind of just have to accept, like, this is what they're doing with the movie, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, we have a long email from, uh, Nia that I'm going to try to, uh, summarize, (laughs) condense down to its key questions that have not been, uh, covered already. Um, goes on about, uh, not really enjoying the movie, talking about this abuse thing, but then specifically following up with, does this envisioning of a dysfunctional family just magically becoming a loving woman make more sense? We think about how this movie's fascinating with 70s rock and trying to connect with your parents on the art they used to create, probably gestures towards Goro's own nostalgic tendencies about his childhood and family. I think that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that, but as soon as you put those two things next to each other, I'm like, oh, okay, I see how this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely, w- while watching the movie, thought it was really funny, um, just to like, I don't know how old Goro Miyazaki is off the top of my head, but like, it's really funny to see a Ghibli movie from somebody who's nostalgic about the 70s instead of about the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just not, even from other Goro movies, like we have not seen Ghibli be nostalgic about this time in this way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, And then the final question is about us uh, specifically talking about how, um, about Kiki and our conflict about it and similar conflicts about media. And do you think watching all the Ghibli films and having to talk about them on the podcast affected your opinion or enjoyment in the end? Like, is this just kind of a bad way to enjoy Ghibli? I feel like I engage with things differently when I know I'm doing it for content. I just wonder how much you think that affected your viewing of these films in the end. Um, do you want to go first? So my thought is like, I think if I had watched all of these movies, I would probably have all the same opinions about them, but I would feel so much less intensely about it. Like, I would probably still feel like, hmm, Kiki is, the Kiki's is kind of like saying some fucked up things if you think about it, but I just wouldn't care (laughs) in the way that I do. And like, I never liked Princess Mononoke. I probably was never going to like Howl's Moving Castle. I probably just wouldn't care all that much. I'd just be like, those are bad Ghibli movies and move on with my damn life. I mean, part of the reason... Um, oh, oh, you're still going. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I was kind of trailing off. You go. Um, part of the reason I liked do I wanted to do this one. Like, I, Who came up with this name? Was it me? It might have been me. I think it was me. 
I don't even remember. Uh, it's been I don't so remember. long. Um, is that this is a thing that like I've you know I watched like half these movies before we started, but I hadn't revisited them, and I wasn't going to. Like, I don't, part of doing the work is making the time to like appraise stuff that you don't like, making excuses to go appraise stuff that you wouldn't have the time or energy to do otherwise. Like, Ghibli was not a thing that I was going to go back and watch and like talk about seriously, uh, despite wanting to, because I'm I'm busy with six other podcasts and. <laughs> I have to watch mm. Gundam every week, and uh, as much as I'm fraught about that thing, I like it more than I like most Ghibli stuff that I had seen before this, and definitely feel that way in retrospect. But I also think doing the work is like partially getting over yourself and appraising what works and doesn't work, even when it's not necessarily like the thing you want to do. Like, there's movies in this that I like, that I'm surprised by, that I wouldn't... Ne- like. Like when Marnie was there, it's like not a movie I would have sought out. I probably wouldn't have watched it. And if I if I watched it just on my own, I'd probably be like, ah, oh, whatever, pretty forgettable. I like that movie. Like having to talk about it and like work through about what I actually feel about it is sharpened my appreciation for things I think it does really well. Um And also it I got a lot out of like putting all of these things in the context of one another. Like um like having seeing the arc of like careers across this uh like matters like i feel differently about kaguya knowing that it is like takahata's last movie than i would have um um otherwise you know like the uh i talk about this a lot on hot singles like so much of my work in like music criticism is like uh not just like do i like this song or not because i'm not very good at like articulating why i like a song the thing that is interesting to me is like uh like kind of like placing work in culture and like trying to like unpack how it fits in there and like it's just not a thing that i would have been able to do with ghibli movies uh if we hadn't like taken the approach that we did of watching everything in order you know um I probably, like, wouldn't hate Howl's Moving Castle as much as I did if I saw it independently because I'd be like, that was a bad movie, and I wouldn't think about it in the context of, like, Miyazaki is, like, a huge fucking conservative asshole. I fucking hate this guy. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a thing I thought was true going in, but it's definitely been revealed to be true by, like, deep reading the the movies. And we haven't even been, we haven't even been particularly strident. Like, this is mostly an excuse for me and Autumn to hang out every three weeks and, like, talk Mm -hmm. about a thing. Um, You know uh it's nice it's like a casual podcast uh in terms of like a lot of the stuff that i want to do and i i appreciate that because if we had to like stretch our conversation on this movie to an hour we would be dead (laughs) (laughs) and we definitely started with that and definitely like loosened up as we realized like these these are all too much the same i think the actual thing this reveals to me is like doing a really tight uh, amount of coverage on like one director or like one studio is like not a great way to do podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. because you do just get to like, I've seen this six times before, especially with someone like, uh, you know, Hayao, who's not exactly the most like original creator. Like we literally named this podcast after like an obvious thing that's in all of his movies and he just kept, mm. he just kept doing it. He never stopped. <laughs> um, because we had uh, briefly talked about, like, oh, when we finish um, uh, Ghibli, we could do, like, David Lynch or something. Um, and I just don't, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, sp- I want to spend the time with other directors, but just not in this sort of, like, focused way. Like, I would like someday to have seen every David Lynch movie, 
But I th- I know that if I watch them all over the course of, like, a year, I'm going to be really mad at him for, like, doing the same fucking, like, blonde and brunette motif every fucking time. But, like, having not, like, seen all of his movies, I still think it's novel. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's fun. You I know? There is something to be said. As, as someone who tries to be an exhaustive critic, like, you know, Great Gundam Project is literally climbing the, one of the most giant mountains in media. Um but there's something we said for just kind of taking things as they come across your life and not doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, because this work can make you real sour on things because people never get off of their bullshit. This is true. Like I, before when I was doing, when I wrote about film, I'd often just watch directors work like all the way through and, um, then write about it in total. And that's a great way to like, learn like there's a certain amount of bullshit you can accept a certain amount that just infects you your brain and you can't get over oh this person's doing this one thing again and uh lynch especially is like a director who like i can't watch that many movies about how hellish suburbia is in like the 50s like transmitted into different (laughs) forms i already know that i believe that i didn't need to spend three thousand dollars on a transmendental meditation course i just read lenin and got there (laughs) david lynch Uh, but I also like deeply love a lot. Like I love Twin Peaks. Uh, I think the Elephant Man is incredible. Like there's, uh, I like Dune. That's a goofy movie that he is, uh, you know, not super proud of. But I think it's a good movie. I haven't seen every David Lynch, I love and Dune. I'm kind of holding off on seeing all of them because I kind of just like having those things hanging out in the ether. Like someday I'll get to this. Someday I'll see Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I really want to. Haven't done it yet. Yeah, like I was thinking about this because. Um... I'm playing Mother 3 right now, and I was thinking, oh, I'll probably play a Dragon Quest next just to, like, kind of know what um, that series is. And, like, part of the allure of having a Dragon, like, of starting Dragon Quest to me is, like, I'm probably going to play 8 because, like, that's the one that interests me. And then I'll have, like, 10 more games that, like, oh, I could play this. Like, I'll always have more Dragon Quest that I could play, and I probably won't for a very, very long time, yep. you know? Um, and that's just nice, you know? Yeah. Um, then we have, we have, uh, yeah, we have one more email. Um, did I move? Okay, there we go. Um, yeah. from Joe writes in, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, it's a nifty thing that Goro can be proud of himself without worry for this one, even if everything he does wasn't measured against the reputation of his father. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny in the way this parallels Kiki. Thank God Joe Hisaishi is not in this ruining it. Because uh, oh my god, <laughs> this has a pretty I, the music this has is a good really soundtrack. Pleasant to yeah. This? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, what makes me like this film the most is how much I love Earwig. She's basically Era from his Dark Materials, which is true. I had not thought of that, but that is definitely the kind of character she is. Um, that's the thing I read in my early twenties. I'd love to revisit someday. Did they, did that TV show, did they ever get a second season or did that thing just like one and done? Mm. No one liked it. Do you know? I, I don't know. I remember people talking about it at work and like everybody I knew was like, I'm so fucking sick of Lin-Manuel Miranda, which was shocking because I'm friends with like normal people at work. Yeah. Uh, and so was like surprised to learn that like the general public populace is also sick of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Even, even the most normal, uh, people in the world are repulsed by that lip bite. That's the only thing that we can conclude <laughs> because it's repulsive to all people. <laughs> um, uh, it doesn't seem to have a second season yet. Okay. Uh, so the question's here. Which Ghibli movie would you like to see done in a live puppetry? 
Oh, this is a good one. Um, ooh, I, uh, Yamada's might be really. That good. was gonna be my answer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it'd be the one that like most like suits the like puppetry like you do really experimental stuff mostly it's like a small family drama it just like it'd be fun to watch puppets do that my other option is to go like full expansion and just do princess kagi as like beautiful uh like um thunderbolt fantasy puppets yeah oh. <laughs> um i actually when i was a kid um my dad took me to a couple really cool like puppet shows in kansas city uh that were like I, it was some guy he did like a big nativity one he did a stinky cheese man one um and like i wish i could like find out anything about that i've tried googling it and it's just impossible to find out like guy who was doing puppet shows in kansas city in like 2002 <laughs> yeah fair enough um final question custard's a heinlein fan heinlein is that how you say it i don't actually know never read his books uh and that's fucked up children or anyone really shouldn't be anywhere near those books do you remember any (laughs) instance in which you saw any work of fiction and you immediately had the reaction of please get away from that shit when you saw a character reading a book (laughs) i had a moment where um erig is reading hounds of the baskervilles and i was like is that appropriate for you (laughs) Like, I don't remember that one in particular. I was, but about, like, I was about her age when I got into uh, Sherlock Holmes. I prefer the short stories, don't like the novels. So that's the, I, re- okay. I was like, man, you should just get a collection of the short stories. They're way better. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like two years before think. I discovered Stephen King and it changed my life. So, you know, I talk about bad shit to read when you're a tween. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think I've told you this story before my like Stephen King experience as a teen is like going to my mom and being like, you really like those Stephen King books. I want to read a scary book. Like which one should I read? And she handed me needful things, which I'm sure is a fine book, but is Whoa, also, that's not like, the one thousand. that's, I would, I would not have started with that one. <laughs> my mom, my mom is very much a person who just reads books. And is like, I liked it. And then <laughs> has no other thoughts about it. And so I think probably I asked her while she was reading needful things and she just gave it to me. <laughs> um, it's a big fucking book. I read a couple chapters and like, wow, I haven't made any progress in this. I'm putting this down and going back to my fucking drizzed books. <laughs> um fair enough uh my um my go-to for this and it's not i don't know if this is the right answer it always comes to mind is the way in which 90s star trek fetishizes like high liter high art and literature Mm -hmm. like high media everyone's always sitting around listening to like a string quartet and picard's always reading shakespeare and you're like uh please someone have an interest that is not like super nerdy but in like the fraser high fluton way um and every modern one has gone the other way where it's like, oh, listen, this classical music and it's the fucking BC boys. Like, that's also obnoxious. <laughs> There's no good version I, of this. I feel like, um, didn't the, didn't the like 2000s Doctor Who show also get into this a bit where like, like everybody's always standing around talking about Shakespeare or am I just like totally out of I, my mind? No, there's on that, that there's that famous Van Gogh episode where they pull Van Gogh into a modern exhibition to like try oh. to cheer him up. And 
look, the thing is, is that in the moment when, especially when I was younger and I watched that the first time, I was like, man, this is, this is so emotionally raw and good. And then you realize that you, they just, uh, fucking manipulating every, every week. It's fine. Like television's like that sometimes. And the line between what's good and bad is very thin and it, it's permeable. Like, you know, where I'm in, I'm at a different place in my life. Um, uh, man, I, you couldn't pay me to watch Doctor Who now. <laughs> But I really loved it <laughs> when I watched all of it in three weeks that existed. And I got to the, like, more modern, like, the Matt Smith stuff. And I was like, hmm, this show got real bad, huh? Um, anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. Nora asked me the other day, uh, what's our, like, in case of emergency break glass podcast? And honestly, Nora and I watching the 2000s Doctor Who revival might be on that list. I'd have to think about it. it it's, but like... it's on the abnormal mapping list. Uh, doing all the Star Wars EU is on our sellout list, but now Nora's doing it, so there'd be no reason if to. If we can get get ourselves to go back to war, that is. <laughs> <laughs> that episode was supposed to come out today, and <laughs> we just did I mean, you had like a, you took like a week and a half off, you know, like, yeah. you're allowed. We're allowed. Are you the guest on uh, that one? Yeah, I'm going to be the guest on the Back to War podcast. Okay. You so. got to go back to war. You have to. <laughs> and after that, after that is um, the uh, Thrawn trilogy, which I think Jackson and I are both going to guest on, but okay. I haven't talked to Nora about it at all. So Okay. Yeah, I think those are our two big sellout ones. Like, we always joke that Blockbusters would be our sellout podcast, but then we just did that to get ourselves out of writing ever again. So... <laughs> It's been so good, by the way. Yeah, no, it's just it's nice um, to have a high energy show where we just enjoy doing what we're doing, right? Like, yeah, we got some. We were going down movies we wanted to do the other day, um, and we had we had an I had an argument in the parking lot of the Target I was going into to pick up medicine about whether or not it would be good to do. Uh, uh, what the fuck, uh, Mean Girls, because it's it's too obvious, or mm. Jackson be too mean to it. I'm like, no, this is the perfect one. We got to do Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, has Jackson seen Mean Girls? Yes, we've both seen Mean Girls. Okay, because uh, okay. <laughs> I can't think of a movie like more perfectly crafted to be something Jackson would hate than Mean Girls. <laughs> Jackson offered like, Jackson offered up as like a, a compromise position. Bring it on! And I'm like, bring it on! It's just a good movie. We can't do bring it on. That's rude. <laughs> what if we do Easy A? Can we do Easy A? Is that our compromise position here? Ooh, is is uh, Emma Stone in Easy A? I'm trying to remember. Yes, that's the Emma Stone one. Okay, I kind of like that movie. I don't remember, but like, I I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. But I remember liking it. <laughs> I remember not liking it, but I couldn't tell you why. Mm-hmm. We might, we might, um, we might just like dodge the bullet entirely and do super bad instead in our mid aughts coming of age stories. Ooh, yeah, super bad is like a very different thing in my head, but I see how you yeah. get there. Um, I <laughs> yes, I, then I had to regale Jackson the story of the first time I saw Super Bad was the first time I got high. Watched it on DVD. <laughs> I watched that and Moulin Rouge at the same time. Um, I watched Moulin Rouge on like. I think the second date I ever went on in my life. Uh, that's my story about Moulin Rouge. Great. We're clearly done um. here. 
<laughs> We're still recording. If you would like to send pod, uh, emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in probably three-ish weeks to cover our final film, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Uh, finally, we're just going to get into the behind-the-scenes shit about uh, Ghibli. We'll also have our ranking of films at that point. If you want to send any emails, that's the last episode. We'll come back someday, but who fucking knows when that's going to be. So anything you've got, send it in. <clears throat> if you want to... Do not send us a list of every Ghibli movie, but send us, like, your top two and your bottom two. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, if you send us a full I'm, list, I'm, I'm just going to read your top two and bottom two. I guess you can make it if you want, but... Yeah, send us your list, but we'll just read out your top two and bottom two. I'm curious, like, where the listeners fell on some of this stuff, but... Yeah. Uh, if you're really confident in your list, you can post it in the Discord after the episode comes out. Yeah, don't post it before the episode comes out. Don't ruin the vibes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. God damn it! Anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, I guess plugs. I'll guess I'll go first. You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can find all my podcasts at normalmapping.com. <laughs> uh, we're currently working up to our live alive episode. It's going to be at the end of the month, and I think it's going to be fucking great. I'm really excited because I think that game is incredible. So it seems great. It seems great. <clears throat> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. I'm losing my voice as I talk, but, uh, you can listen to hot singles. We took a couple weeks off because, uh, I just had Molly here. Oh, you know what? Fuck hot singles. You already know about hot singles. Everybody <laughs> listens to hot singles. You should subscribe to ours arcanum, ours-arcanum.pinecast.co. I'll set up a redirect for that later. It took a hiatus, but it's my absolute favorite fucking podcast. I'm so excited Ars Arcanum is coming back. Finally. Ah. <laughs> if you want to hear Nora, me, and our friend Mark of uh, Higgly Piggly Whale Statements, I almost said, and then a whale statement. <laughs> um, if you want to hear us just like being real fucking marxists about uh some fantasy books uh that's the book that's the podcast for you it's so good i love ours arcanum so much <laughs> um uh so yeah yeah listen to that um i should listen to that i listened to the first episode I was like i can't make heads or tails of any of this bullshit <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we found our footing um a couple episodes in and it'll it, we'll probably take another episode or two to like work ourselves back into the yeah, rhythm but yeah. I'm very excited for it. Well, you but. know the one thing about me, the one problem is I fucking hate fantasy. <laughs> Unlike everyone yeah. else I know, <laughs> I fucking hate fantasy. So well, and like Elantris is like specifically the book where like Brandon is notorious for having the least pronounceable names. Like he kind of dials it in in all the future stuff, but like this first book, like I'm listening to the audiobook and then like I just don't know how to say any of the names because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> all right. Listen on the podcasts. Uh, uh support export audio. We'll be back in like 3 weeks and then that's it. So uh go watch some go watch better anime than all of this. You can find it, I'm sure. I'm sure.